the mother-loving future show hosted by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown. Because this week's episode starts in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, everybody. It's Jenna Penrose here today, and we have an extra special episode because I will be interviewing Amber on her birth story today (laughs) with baby number two. And the reason that this is so exciting and so interesting, and I know probably some people have seen some of the spoilers on social media before listening to this episode, but... This whole thing was such a mystery. Like up until the moment it went down, we were all in the dark as to whether it was a girl or boy, who the soul was, how it was going to go down, if there was going to need to be emergency intervention or not. And so just the unfolding of it, and this is really the first time I'm hearing the full story. So I am so excited um, and excited to introduce today's guest, Amber (laughs) Lestrange. She's a, a host of this podcast. So Welcome to the show, Amber. Thank you so much, my darling. Please excuse any slurring and sleep-deprived behavior. Um, I, I... I unfortunately can't string too many sentences together at this point, but I'll give it a shot. Thanks well, for having I will me. Be, I will be forcing you to string multiple sentences together. Um, I also, I too have a problem with speaking right now because my my lip got really badly scratched by my cat. And I, if I smile or if I talk too enthusiastically, which I have been over the course of the last like sixty seconds, <laughs> then it hurt. It hurts. Oh so my gosh! I have to. I have to like rein it in. So, which kitty cat scratched you? It was Parker. Parker. Brother. It, it was a total accident. I had flipped him over on his tummy and his hand like caught my caught my lip and it went so deep in. And I then um, I, I had to pour, you know, like the apple cider vinegar yeah. all over it. And it was not as bad as childbirth. Oh my so, gosh. Do I have a thing or two to say about that? Anyway. Let's get into let's it. it. So before we actually get into it, I did write a very quick definition for Amber's birth story with number two. So here it is. When you don't know if you're having a girl or a boy, a home birth or an emergency transfer, an urgent Rogam shot or a baby with a negative blood type, things could end in glory or disaster, but everything works out perfectly because you put it into God's hands. Mm, Yes. Beautiful. Thank goodness. Thank you, God. I'm just like putting it out there. So grateful. You're right. Birth is such a mystery. It could go any which way. So... And especially, uh, you know, especially in a planned home birth, because, you know, we plan and it could go that way or not. If you're going to have like a planned C-section, it's a lot more sort of like in your control. But when you're when you're really having the the home birth and letting it all go down naturally, you really don't know what you, what's going to happen. Yeah, so, and I had a weird pregnancy. This pregnancy was really a lot of false starts in the issue department, issues department. So many, oh my gosh, more time I've spent in the hospital in my whole life, I think, just in and out with all these blood tests and this and that, thinking that things were going down. But so 
Uh, horrible. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, you had some sort of scare with your liver. You had some things happening with your wrists. I remember, uh, okay, and the, the big thing and the, what I had alluded to in the definition was the fact that you do have an RH negative blood type and the baby could have been positive. And that's a problem when you're pregnant because then your body can, you know, attack the baby. So the whole the whole time, we didn't know if that was going to present as a problem. Yes, I was just feeling intuitively better about if the baby was a positive blood type to take the, the Rogam shot after the baby was born. So that was a call I had to make. And yeah, well, let's get into it because we'll find out what happened. Let's get into it. <laughs> Okay. So, and that's, you know, not many women do that. I remember when you were saying that you weren't going to take the Rogam shot, I was like applauding you because that's so like kind of just so hardcore. Cause I know that a lot of medical professionals would probably advise you strongly oh, to but take I it. Did, I did a lot of yeah. research. It wasn't just like, oh, well, I'll be fine. I'm scared of all the aluminium and all the kind of vaccination things in there. I did a lot of research on it and spoke to a lot of women. And so it was a very kind of calculated risk I was taking, but we can get mm -hmm. more into that a little bit later when we get to that point in the story, if you want. Okay. So just, we have to set the stage yes. so people know like what we're, go we're, we're going, going in, in with this. Okay. Blazing. So, so before we get even further into it, let's discuss our favorite and least invasive way to track your cycle. If you can track your cycle, then during your fertile window, you can plan a pregnancy. And during your infertile window, you can not. Thanks to Daisy, you know exactly when you are in your fertile window using the coolest, newest technology. Stay tuned for more on this later. Okay, so tell me, when did uh, you think, what was your due date? My due date was, I was bouncing around between September 21 and September 23. Okay. So, and you were convinced, I remember that you were going to go early. And I think the doctor also told you like baby's like half out or something. <laughs> not half out. <laughs> Could happen any minute now. Uh, but yeah. Right. Didn't, did, wasn't yeah, there something there like was. that? Um, Tell me about that. I was very, very thinned out in the, um, in the lining. Cervical That's department. exactly right. I couldn't ex remember the exact medical lingo, so I didn't want to put it out there. Um, but I was very thinned out. The baby was completely dropped all the way down as low as the baby could go. And um, the doctor said, you know, and I'd been losing my mucus plug, very different to first pregnancy, where two weeks before I gave birth, my fully developed mucus plug came out in this like big rubbery ball. So I was anticipating that to happen this pregnancy, but it went down differently where I was just losing little bits of the mucus plug throughout the weeks. So when I went into the doctor um, to get checked, he said, any day now, you're very thinned out. The baby is as low as it can go and you don't have much holding the baby in. So it could be tonight. It could be in the next couple of days. And that was when, mm. and that was around the 10th of September. So that was about two weeks off my due date. Did you have any false labor before the real labor started other than no, losing your No, you know plug? what? It was so interesting because it was such a beautiful lesson, this pregnancy and birth around not bringing in um, preconceived ideas about what it's going to be like because you're comparing it to the first pregnancy and first birth. 
And it's such a great concept to bring that into relationship and friendships and into life in general. You can never compare things because it's so spon- life is spontaneous and it's going to be fresh and different every time. So I, um, I'm having a brain fart right now. That's what happens when you're half delirious and haven't, haven't slept properly. What was I saying? Yeah. Well, my question was, did you yes. have any false so labor before? I didn't even feel my Braxton labor. Hicks. I, whereas my first pregnancy, I was feeling the Braxton Hicks and things slowly kind of ramped up. I had no Braxton, well, obviously I was having Braxton Hicks, but I didn't feel them. Huh. Yeah. Did not really? feel any Braxton Hicks. And then my, uh, the day on the 18th of September, I around about, actually I woke up in the morning and I woke up and I was like, oh, wow, that's a different kind of contraction to what I remember Braxton Hicks being. That was kind of like behind my uterus. It was coming from really deep inside me. And I'm like, am I going to labor? Mm-hmm. But then there was no consistency. So I'm like, oh, what did it, it kind of felt like? like a squeezing near the back of my spine, like behind my uterus, just a contraction and a squeezing. And then I thought, oh, well, this could be going on for days um, or this could just be a random one and, you know, I go into labor in a couple of weeks. I have no idea. So I wasn't attached to what that meant. I went and dropped Valentine off at school and then I came home and they started getting consistent. And so that's when I called Jolene, my doula. We just released an episode on um, Mama-to-be, Blessing Up the Mama-to-be with Jolene who hosted my Mama's Blessing. and. Yeah, we can yeah, link that link to this that. episode, I think, because it's, oh, it's can relevant. You hear, can you hear the little bubba crying in the background? I, I heard something. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was one of my kittens. The baby sounds kitten. like a kitty cat. It's the cutest thing. It's like, meow, meow. Um, I'm just going to. Little lioness. I'm just going to tell Harry to, to grab it. Hold on, hold on one second. Um, the reality of being a mama of two and having to tell your husband to watch the baby. Hey, we're doing it. Story (laughs) multitasking like usual. I was giving a little. little (laughs) That's great. I need that. Need you to fill in all the gaps. Um. So, all right, call Jolene. So, how? Right. And how consistent? Like every five uh, minutes, yeah, every eight minutes? I would say, gosh, it's such a blur at this point. I would say like every 10 minutes, I was getting quite a um, strong contraction. They were still manageable, but it was definitely pre-labor contraction. Were you excited to be having the contractions? Like, how did you feel? Were you like excited? I remember when I started having contractions, I'm like, yes, like so excited. Like this is happening. Yeah, this is going down. It's an exciting day so because you you're just a moment away from meeting your your newest family member and meeting this little soul that chose mm-hmm. us. And, you know, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. There was so much anticipation in meeting this creature. So it was, yeah. Oh my So gosh. much mystery. We call we called her mystery baby before. I know. You she know, was know. a real mystery. She was not wanting to be discovered until the very last minute. So I called <laughs> I called Jolene, who was three hours away, and I said, "Hey, just heads up, I'm getting early labor. I don't know. It could be a couple of days. Come down if you want to." And she's like, "Okay, pack my bags, coming down. I'll be there in three hours." I'm like, "Okay." She arrived and. 
it was almost like my body was waiting until my doula was there until it really relaxed and started amping up. So Jolene arrived about 20 minutes after she had arrived and settled in. They were like consistent. There were every five to three minutes, just like boom, 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 and starting to amp up. And each one was getting a little more intense. And so I called Carrie and Carrie was so excited. He got to take like half a day off. He raced home. (laughs) I'm like, Carrie, blow up the Uh tub. He's like, "I'm, I'm on this. He threw his shirt off and he started like, putting down the tarp and blowing up the tarp and, and he's like okay got it birthing playlist incense smudge stick what do I need to do okay got it call the midwife he, he'd like been prepping himself for for days and he was totally on fire he was really excited Aww. and then yeah and then Sweet. I was on my medicine ball kind of riding each contraction and it was great because I had that the the other half of that day, the early labor day, to get my head around working with the hypnobirthing I'd been studying for the birth. So with each contraction, I was starting to visualize my my pink dust, fluorescent pink dust, and breathing it into where the contractions were quite painful and just starting to work with that to get me ready for when I would really need it. And so I went to bed at around eight. They kind of subsided a little bit, went to bed at eight, woke up at midnight and it was on, like really on. I woke up as if something had just knocked me over the head and I'm like, oh, whoa, that was intense. I'm like, but maybe it was just a random one and I'll sleep through the night and wake up tomorrow morning. But then like one minute later, boom, hit me again. I'm like, oh no, this is, this is it. This is happening. So Kerry. What's your level of pain mm, with these? I would say about a seven. I woke up. I kind of count this as like ramping up into active labor. This isn't pre-labor. This would be like labor. And so I got up, we called the midwife. She was there in five minutes. Jolene came up and I started getting really gnarly back pain in my left spine and on the left side of my back. So, hmm. huh? Was it, I wonder, um, was it back It was labor? interesting because it was just one point on the left side of my back, lower back. And when Jolene like pushed with her thumb with all of her might into that bit, I could focus on just dealing with the contraction and moving through it. Whereas if she didn't put pressure on that, I was actually overwhelmed with the stabbing pain in the left side of my back as well as the the contraction. So I I really can empathize now with people who have back labor. It's it's just another element that you really don't want to be dealing with during contractions. It was hardcore. And so Midwife came, started checking the baby's heartbeat. Everything was looking good. Pumped up my hypnobirthing um, meditation that I was working through. Um, It was getting more and more intense. When it was getting really unbearable, I jumped in the tub and was on my knees, leaning over, seemed to be the best um, position I could be in. And then... um, Oh, can you hear little Winnie Pooh? Let let me just mm-hmm. let me just remind Carrie mm-hmm. there's a bottle of breast milk in the fridge. 
Care. Hmm. Carrie, there's there's breast milk in the fridge. Carrie. Hold, hold on, let me. I hear. He's, there, there's booby milk in the fridge. Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is real life. This is like no frills right here. <laughs> okay, so this is real. No then filter. at about okay, so midnight to three thirty. Oh. And I have to say, as luck has it, Carrie wakes up on the day I started going into labor, early labor, with the flu, like hardcore flu. The fl- no. like hardcore. He did. He did. He was like, "Whoa, what is that. wrong with me?" He was coughing, sneezing, sniffing. Like germs were just really? like flowing out of him. Not only oh. that, Mariana, who has been an absolute angel. I, I, I kind of recruited her from my in-laws farm. She works up there and cooks for everyone at the farm. And I, I brought her down so she could help with dropping Valentine and cooking me food and kind of helping me out during this crazy time. She got a flu two days before I went into labor, like hardcore, like coughing, fluttering everywhere. Was she already Oh yeah, my. She was, was she already at, at your house at that so point? So Carrie and Mariana oh were like taken gosh. down. No, yeah, I was. I had so no idea. <laughs> like both of you need to go into incubation. <laughs> Just it's like the last thing you need is like a germ-infested atmosphere wow. with bringing a tiny baby in. So anyway, I was like pumping all the essential oils and had the humidifiers and the air purifiers on, and just praying. So. Carrie um, woke up at midnight, but he went to go sleep with Valentine in the room because he was so sick at this point. Like he he couldn't be up. He just needed to sleep. And so it was just me and Jolene laboring from midnight to 3.30 a.m. when my water broke. And so my midwife would come up every hour and listen to the baby's heartbeat and kind of check in with me, but then it was really just me and Jolene laboring through. And so at 3.30, I just felt I was in the tub and things were pretty hardcore. Like I was in the zone where I couldn't talk. I was just hanging on and I could feel I was on the brink of a major transition. And just, I I had kind of gotten the knack of my hypnobirthing where I, I was working with the contractions and the meditation where I figured out sound wasn't really helping me. It was not having any sound, not using any sound, but just really using the breath and breathing very slowly and breathing the pink dust in my meditation down into the pain. And it would take the edge off and the contraction and it would shorten the contraction as well. So it's really interesting. It took me a couple of hours to really get how to use so, it properly. So how you coped with the pain would be like when a contraction would come, you would just take a really deep breath and push it, push this vision of the pink sparkle dust down yeah, into so the contraction. My power word was um, trust. So I would just use that word, that mantra in my head. I would just say trust. It was like I was breathing the word trust. And I was, I was just breathing the pink dust all the way down. And I was 
opening. I was like, trust and open were kind of like my two mantras, which was help. See, the whole the whole point is to relax your your system. If you can relax your nervous system, then your body opens, and then the baby's going to come quicker. And the pain is less intense because you're you're not resisting it. You're almost moving into the pain and opening to it. But it's so counterintuitive. So it's and you really got to train your brain and it's to not, open to and move into the pain. And did you find it possible in that yes. moment to do that? To like yes. really open up I, into the pain? It, wow, I did not find it possible. Like, I mean, I it could all went out not. the window once my water broke because you're just hanging on for dear life. But up until that point, I I would say about the first hour I was trying to figure out it out and just hanging on and riding through it. But then once I really laser focused on the meditation, the visualization, the mantra, and figured out that it was the breath that was really helping dissipate the pain, I then was able to use it as a tool, which was amazing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that is amazing. For, as job. I said, when the water broke, which is such a fascinating feeling, it's almost like you have a balloon inside you and you just feel it go, it just pops. And did it pop violently? Did it pop? Well, I was in the water, out, like, so it's it- hard to tell, but I just felt a small pop. Whereas my first first labor with Valentine, it was like a violent big pop and it threw me to the ground, yeah. the first one. But this one seemed like a little wow. smaller pop, but I definitely felt it. And then huh. the um, universal freight train came blasting through my body, uncontrollable speed. <laughs> um, so, um, wow. And so you knew for sure your water had popped yeah. just because you felt that little pop or could they tell from like that there was no, like, no. could they tell I, or was, only you remember could tell? it was just Jolene and okay. I and yeah. Cause so Jolene, like sh- there was no signs that your water had popped other yeah. than and just also, that you had felt it. Pop. You could tell I was very close to that because the contractions were amping up in intensity and they were more back to back and I was getting in the zone. Like I can think you can tell a woman when she drops in that zone, you can't talk, you can't move much. You're just kind of like waving your fingers around. And like, if you're with an intuitive doula, she can, she can understand your cues without you having to talk, but it, um, it gets super intense just before that moment. So I was in the zone and then okay, all like, so what happened so after your water popped for about an hour or so the water popped and the water broke. And I just said, my water broke, go, go get Elizabeth. Like I, I like pushed those words out and then she ran, got Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. She called out to Carrie. Carrie came in, hobbled in, <laughs> dragged his sorry butt in. Jeez. I nearly like threw one of those hospital masks on him, <laughs> banished him to the corner. Um, yeah. And then, and then really I was holding on. Everything went out the window, all tools, all, <laughs> all kind of like systems I thought I would be able to use to make it through. I was just... <sighs> I mean, I don't even know how to describe the sensation and I don't want to freak anyone out because I have had some major epiphanies around the concept that there are so many factors in a unique individual that contribute to 
your birth, how easy it's going to go, the sensation of it, the pain level of it, all of it. And so my birth was for me and my body and my unique nervous system and constitution, emotional disposition, etc. And someone else who's pregnant and who's preparing for their birth has their completely unique blueprint, emotional, spiritually, physically. So this is just my story. I just want everyone to know, whoever's listening to this, this isn't textbook the way it goes down for everyone. This is just what happened for me. And no. remind me, Jenna, mm-hmm. um, to men- to tell you about my concept around the level of sensation around pushing because I discovered this really interesting concept. And I'll tell you later when we get to the pushing bit. So okay. water broke. And I was just, they were now back to back. And my, my, once the water broke, my body was, was pushing by itself. So the baby was coming down mm-hmm. and I just held on and this kind of like animalistic primal sound was coming out of me. It was 3.30 a.m., the entire neighborhood must have been awake listening to this murder scene. And Valentine slept through the entire thing somehow. It's like he got shot by a tranquilizer in his eyeball. He just slept through the entire thing. And wow. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Might have been traumatizing. So the midwife was there. She was measuring the heartbeat with each contraction. She was there with the with the torch, just kind of watching what was going on. (laughs) <laughs> for the sorry for the Americans oh, yeah, torch sorry. meaning flashlight <laughs> we have like a vision oh, of like, like a big torch Thrones, with like fire on the top that would have been cool yeah. though <laughs> yeah yeah That's a so torch in America it was if I had to try find words for the sensation it was kind of like the mystical death for anyone who's done ceremony work it was it's kind of like death, kind of like it, death. it felt like a combination of I was gonna, I was like on the edge of vomiting, but passing out, but pooping myself all at the same time. And it was like chills, like my body was profusely shaking, but I was hot. But it was, but then I got the chills. It was like this every single particle in my body was on fire and like on the mission, laser focused in in birthing this human there was not a part of me that was relaxed or kind of um <laughs> not a well, part of you that well, was relaxed well, <laughs> that was yeah, like, what's the word that was i was on you were just on yeah like you i it felt you like mean. your life it depended like on it full engagement that, that's well, that's, it, did. it does, I think you know, that's it does. The, the mechanism that clicks in nature makes it so you psychologically are in the, the the warrior zone of your life and your baby's life is dependent on these moments and you have mm-hmm. to stay focused and on it and take it seriously mm-hmm. because if you don't, mm-hmm. um, you may not get that baby out in time. So mm-hmm. what I didn't realize mm-hmm. was that the baby's heartbeat was going down every time my body had a contraction. And why did, did because did, why? the cord was why? wrapped around um, the baby's body and neck, and it was a short cord. So every time my body was pushing the baby down, the baby was crowning and then being yanked back into me. 
And your midwife could, could see this she happening. Could she see knew this what happening, was happening, but she didn't mention anything to me, which is smart because I would have been freaking out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, fear makes you yeah. freeze up, close up, and you want that open energy for the birth. So she only told me later. Yeah. <laughs> Did you could you tell that she was scared? I could tell she was she was on as well. I, I, I was so in my zone. My eyes were closed. I was in my zone. I just needed to stay in my lane to get this done. Huh. But I could tell wow. there was something up because I could tell this baby was ready to come out, but it wasn't coming out. So I could feel the baby push under the pelvis and come right up to crown and then be sucked back in. So I kind and I gave it a couple of contractions. Oy. I gave it about three, and then once the baby hadn't come out yet, I'm like, no, nope, there's something. I just knew intuitively I have to push at the end of my body's contraction to get this baby out. I don't know what's going on, but just my body pushing. Interesting that you had yeah, that insight. Yeah, I did. You know? So. Because that's a very clear and specific insight, like at that moment of complete, just utter, just chaos and pain, you know? Yeah, it, it, it was, um, it was a lot. So, okay. What, so how did yeah, it go so down? What happened was that my body's contraction, you know, the universal freight train was steaming through me. So it was like, I was getting squeezed like a thousand times and then opening a thousand times at the same time. And then my, as my contraction was easing off, I would push on top of that intentionally with my own body. And I did that about three times until the baby's head came out. And well, really great insight to to have done that. Yeah. I was just, it was almost like I got told to do that. It was almost like. Did you get told? No, or like, you, like internally. Like you mean by like, like spirit? spirit yeah, or? it was like something internally okay. was telling yeah. me that I needed extra force, that my body was couldn't do this wow. just solo. I had to push on top of that. So. Wow. Okay. Yes. So her head comes out. I don't know. Or, so you don't know it's a girl yet. yet so the head comes the head out comes and I thought out. the body, it was so excruciating that I thought that had to have been it. The whole baby would have come out. And she's like, okay. My midwife was like, okay, next push. We got to get, we got to get this baby's body out. And there was something in her voice where I could hear that she was nervous. And so I was mm-hmm. just like oh, sweating, about to vomit, about to pass. I was stopping myself from passing out. I'm like, I can't pass out right now. This is it. This is it. Just amping myself up. And the next contraction that oh came. God. My stomach is hurting just like hearing the, the story. The next one that came, I just buckled down and was like, yeah, like my life depends on it, which it did. And, and pushed, and pushed, 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 pushed. And the baby came out and my midwife said, okay, the baby's in between your legs bring the baby up in between your legs. And so I, I reached down shaking my whole body. My nervous system was just shot and I reached down and I grabbed the baby and I held the baby in front of me. And then my midwife said the cords wrapped around her, her body and neck too tight. Give her to me quick. And like, 
I just passed her over and she did this like little flip and flipped the baby around twice because I think the baby came out like, like, <gasps> like totally strangled. Well, what color? What color uh, was the baby uh, when it came like out? Purpley, pinky. <laughs> Okay, but not blue, blue and not, not blue, like fully purple. The, she came out taut, like the 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 cord was really strong around her neck. So she flipped her. Oh lord! Everyone loves a good cliffhanger, right? And that is why this is the perfect time to introduce this episode's sponsor, Daisy Fertility Tracker. As any young person wanting to make my mark on the world, I'm always interested in monitoring my health. And that's why today we are discussing the Daisy Intelligent Fertility Tracker. Yes. And me as a person who doesn't love leaving my house, I love that I could get real-time, immediate, personalized insight into my health and wellness at home with Daisy. I am definitely interested. Who's not interested? All women with a menstrual cycle have access to detailed information on what's going on with their body, from thyroid issues to food intolerances, simply by tracking their basal body temperature each day. Daisy is the best tool that provides the accurate information that you need. Learn more about your health and even share this vital info with your doctor, nutritionist, or health coach so that they can better diagnose and treat any underlying issues. Visit usa.daisy.me, that is D-A-Y-S-Y, or visit the link in the show notes to learn more. And so why did why wouldn't your midwife just have picked her up herself? She like, didn't know that the cord was wrapped around her body as well as her neck, and she didn't know that the cord was so short. And I think it's a bit of a moment, you know, where you want to be the one well, it's a bit of a moment, but if it's an yeah. emergency, then you got yeah, like, so do the, what you do. Yeah, but clearly so it was she could fine. see straight away what the situation was, and then she grabbed her, flipped her around, gave her back to me. I I put the baby on my chest, and was just just praying that the baby is alive, I'm alive, and honestly, I was in so much shock that I was just trying to breathe and just. Tr- Did the baby no, cry? So listen to this baby was on my chest and then I looked and Carrie was over my left shoulder and he was like going, oh my god baby you made it you made it this this is it we're meeting our baby and I was shaking because my nervous system was just so out of it the baby lifted up its head full like full-on head lift up off my chest wow I know aren't meant to be no no they can't that, do that right? She lifted up her whole head off my chest. Her her forehead was on my chest. She lifted the whole head up, turned it, and looked Carrie dead in the eyes. And just like oh, they, she they just stared at him and held his gaze for about five long seconds. And then with her eyes with her wide eyes open, open, her blue, blue eyes, oh like gosh. What deep, color deep eyes? ocean blue. Blue, blue. And then she moved her head. Oh the other way and held my gaze and looked at me for another like five seconds hasn't taken a breath yet and we're just like what the hell (laughs) wait oh sorry just cut out yeah can you hear me hello yeah and we were just like what the hell like what is going on right now and then once she had clocked us both she just went <laughs> well, she had a good look. She just started. Yeah. I think she was just anticipating meeting the people she chose to do life with, and she wanted to like gauge us 
And then she's like, okay, I can do this thing called life. I'm here. <laughs> and she wow. just let out a wail. Wow. And we just, we were just, oh my gosh. And oh my gosh, I forgot to tell you. As the midwife handed her to me, she said, I think I saw a penis. I think it's a boy. As she put the baby on me. So for the first five minutes, we thought it was a boy. And you were like in love with this little boy or what no, was going through your I head? No, I didn't feel. Were you, were you like, okay, that it was a boy? Honestly, like, did you I was have just like so in survival mode still that I, I had no emotional. I wasn't able to get in touch uh-huh. with my heart, with my emotions. I was just like purely uh-huh. taken over by my physical PTSD. yeah, situation. And so I, I didn't, I hardly even heard her. I was just like, whatever, I'm, I'm alive the baby's alive <laughs> and everything was kind of foggy at that point. And then someone said, okay, let's like confirm the gender. But for those five minutes, we kind of thought it was a boy. And so I, who said, who said um, confirm the gender? Elizabeth, the midwife said, let's, let's confirm the gender. So I held up the baby and Carrie saw the umbilical cord and said, oh my God, it's, oh, oh, never mind. <laughs> he thought it was a penis, the umbilical cord. <laughs> And I'm like, wow. Well, that's a very yeah, big penis. Like, oh, for a little he baby, is, huh? you know, his father's son. So, so <laughs> he's like, oh, never mind, and pulled the umbilical cord away. And Carrie just went, "It's a girl." And we're like, "What? It's a wow. girl? No, it's not." Double check. And he's like, "I, I think so. Yeah, it's a girl." We were just, I mean, what a moment. Oh my God. I have a huge smile on your, my face right now. So what, what was your thoughts when it was confirmed that it was a girl? Oh, I want to know everything. Just, that went through I your could head. feel my whole body start to melt. Just, I was just like, this is just a miracle after miracle. Like I'm so looked after by the universe. And this is such a divine moment in my life of just learning and remembering to trust that everything will be perfect no matter how it is but it just felt so it just felt so right it just felt like an element that mm-hmm. created balance mm-hmm. and in our little family unit mm-hmm. and exactly what we'd been praying for and i felt like people listen when you pray is <laughs> how i felt um and so, yeah, we just started crying and held her and was just like, we were, we're in shock. We just couldn't, we couldn't believe it. We're like, it's, it's impossible. We actually got our girl. I can't believe it. Cause you know, that psychic told me I was having a boy. I know. How long after having, finding out that she was a girl, did instantly, you think about that? Instantly. Psychic? I'm like, I'm going to track down that. <laughs> me too. That was my first <laughs> thought. Was my first and thought I am too. going to rub this baby's genital in her face yeah well not not quite that yeah exactly yeah not quite that energetically because i i I knew she was wrong i'm so so mad and just for the audience like i didn't go seeking out this psychic advice i was at a restaurant with my other girlfriend who was pregnant who knew she was having a girl and this person came up to us and, and just said can i tell you what i think you're having and i just thought she was a random person so i'm like yeah go for it she's like well i see a girl in your tummy to my girlfriend i see a girl in your tummy and she's really girly and my girlfriend was like yes i am having a girl how did you know and she said oh i i have this gift i can see babies and i'm like oh great uh oh and she looked at me and she's like and you're definitely having a boy. 
I can see him in there. And this is like, this is oh like my God. four weeks off I'm due to give birth. And I've been anticipating finding totally. out the gender, the whole like in the moment of giving birth. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh my gosh. <laughs> and you really took that to heart. I, I got the most <laughs> bewildered voice message from you after that. Jenna, I'm feeling very confronted <laughs> right now. Something just happened. Can you please call me oh back? Oh my God. Yeah. So that really messed me up. I didn't sleep that night. I was like, wow, okay, I'm having a boy. Like it was good. But you see, what is what is the lesson of this? It taught you don't listen no, to random psychics. Totally. Like people, even if they're like think they're psychic, they could be getting wrong information. They could be getting ninety five percent right information, and then some weird spirits totally. can be trying to fuck with you over that. Uh, and you last know what? 5%. The other interesting thing is, my body knew it was a girl, and I intuitively felt it was a girl. And every time I did body kinesiology on myself, you know, when you lean forward. It, and it's a yes, and your body leans back, and it's a no when you mm-hmm. ask it a question. It, it gave me a yes every time I asked if it was a girl. And so I felt like it was a girl, but I wanted a girl so badly that I didn't want to be attached to it being a girl. So I convinced myself it was a boy. And <laughs> the, what, yeah. a, what a mind. Anyway, mind we got our girl. So. And, and so did you know immediately her name when she was born? Because you were going, you didn't know you were going over so many different names, like yeah, right up to I, the end. Yeah, I did. I think we had kind of landed on the name, at least her first name, which Valentine d- uh, chose her first name. <laughs> yeah, nice, he was. Perfect. You know, we and this is part of my strategy for involving him with the concept of the baby before the baby is born to kind of ease the integration into being a big brother, I would every dad ask him, Hey, Bubba, so have you thought of a baby name yet? What do you think? And he was like, Hmm, I think Winnie the schmoo, <laughs> like obviously thinking of Winnie the Pooh, Perfect. but not wanting it to be obvious that he stole that name. So he said Winnie the schmoo. <laughs> and I'm like, actually Winnie. You're like, yeah, I'm like, her that's that. kind of a cool name. Like never, I've never met a Winnie and Little psychic, you know Nelson Mandela. I know, wife and you know I was Winnie. born in South Africa, so that's kind of yeah, like my so roots. That was a good, that's and good. I only looked totally. up the meaning of Winnie after we had named her Winnie, and I don't have the meaning up in front of me right now, but it was so fitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah get, it, get, get it, it, get it. Let me. It's kind of it. something like the fair one, light in like light in spirit, and um, peace and angelic. Yes, fair one, fair one, white and smooth, soft happiness, fair and pure. That's my girl. Perfect encapsulation. I know. And I woke up because I knew you were in labor and then I went to sleep because she was born around like four in the morning, right? Three or something. Like I woke up to pee probably like shortly after she was born and I like looked at my phone and I saw the the message and like I I just remember thinking like it, it was like it's a girl in all caps. And then it was like, Winnie, Winnie. It was like, you could just tell from the text, like the messages that we were getting from you guys, like that it was like a girl and her name was Winnie. And I was so, because you said Winnie, like almost right after you said it was a girl, you know, she's like, she's Winnie. And um, my heart just like exploded with joy. Like I was so happy that that was how it ended up. Winnie Soleil. 
when which is sun sun mm-hmm. in French. Uh, yeah, little little Winnie Pooper is in Winnie Cooper, but not Winnie Cooper. Winnie Pooper, <laughs> although she's kind of oh, constipated yeah. right now, um, so that's not too fitting. But um, I'm working on that. <laughs> okay, so tell me, so she's so born. she's born. You find out she's a girl. Yep. Her name is Winnie. Tell me about the aftermath of the birth. Did the placenta so come along I right had away? To push the placenta out. I just did it in the water. It came out straight away. When the placenta was birthed, my midwife kind of got the the um the, the torch on it, and she's like, "Oh, whoa! This is a very rare placenta." So velamentous is an abnormal placenta growth seen in 1% of women. (laughs) The umbilical cord is inserted into the sac rather than fully into the placenta. And the cord is usually positioned in a velamentous placenta at the bottom of the placenta rather than in the usual spot in the middle. And the insertion into the placenta from the umbilical cord is not very strong. So there's no Wharton's jelly around the cord, which means that there's no protection around the cord. (laughs) So there's more chance of something happening in regards to the cord um, disconnecting. So if the cord does disconnect, it could cut off life to the baby and also the mama bleeds out. Well, and how come they didn't check that in I all your ultrasounds? I think you can check that kind of thing. Can you? Guess not. Yeah. I mean, I, you should be able to see it on ultrasound, no? They could check yeah, where the maybe. placenta is. And I don't everything. know. People miss these kind of things. Okay, so that. So, and then, yeah, um, and then there was this mark on Winnie's leg where my midwife was like, oh, you may want to get that checked out. Only one in 100 babies get born with a, a mole. And so, and she said, and that's not the color of a birthmark. So you just want to double check. It's nothing kind of weird, AKA like melanoma or something. Well, like, yeah, she's not going to be born Well, she actually um, dealt with a baby quite recently that was born with melanoma. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's just being, you know, precautious. It's just taking precautions. So and so you took so her, took into her the into doctor the doctor and-, and it seems to be a mole. So I've got my little one in 100 baby with a mole. And she was born with these cute little like angel kisses on all of her eyes, on her two eyes and her third eye. She's got these, oh, yeah, she's, she's got this purple eyeshadow, which is hilarious and very cute. And of course, I instantly looked up her astrology and it, the irony is that Evidently, she's all about um, beautiful things and looking beautiful and making sure her hair's perfect. And she's all about, you know, fashion. And and I'm like, of course she's wearing purple eyeshadow. Of course for her big day, she came out with purple eyeshadow on like the little fashionista. <laughs> purple is going to be like the eyeshadow color yeah, totally. of next season. Hilarious. Just one step ahead. And you know, another thing about the mole, which I actually have been meaning to mention to you since you sent me this picture of you holding her and I could see like, there's like a mole on your boob and then a mole yeah. on her leg. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? And they were the exact same shape. Oh my Did gosh, you notice no, that? I didn't notice that. Yeah. I, I As I remember it, they were like huh. identical to Interesting. each other. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's right. Remember what I wanted to tell you. So the, so the midwife, my midwife asked me afterwards, so you know, I was asking a lot of questions. I was doing a lot of interviewing 
on women who had had their second baby before I went in for my birth on the sensation during birth and if it was going to be any different because your body's done it before and you're more open and you've got better tools this time. And uh, I spoke to a few girlfriends who said that when they gave birth, the pushing part of giving birth was relieving, like quite a relieving sensation and the best. Totally. Really? Well, because it's like you've been, for me, you've been in this like purgatory of you don't know when it's going to end. And then you finally get to start pushing and you're like, okay, at least I'm but nearing the physically, finish Physically, was, um, was it enjoyable pushing? To me, it was better than waiting. So, but the physical sensation of pushing didn't, um, it wasn't like hardcore, like the most painful thing you've ever uh, it experienced. Was, it was hardcore, the most painful thing, but so was everything because both of my babies were coming in at the at wrong angles. I had back labor with my second one. When she came out, we'll have to do yeah. my birth stories too one day, but um, like when she came out, it was uh, really, really bad situation. Like I got cut and just ripped completely. And so clear that, that, that was, could not probably didn't feel good. Well, these girlfriends I had said that the physical sensation of pushing was enjoyable. Like physically it felt good. Okay. Well, there's a movie called Orgasmic Birth. What I discovered was that my midwife, so for me, it was just as painful if not, I mean the same, or, you know, it was really, really painful second time yeah. around. There was no difference between first Over. and second birth, yeah. which I was quite surprised about because. Wait, what do you no, mean it was No, there was a difference? no difference in, in the pain level between oh. first and second birth. Okay. I mean, I had the hypnobirthing, which helped me take the edge off. But in, as, in regards to the sensation of, of pushing the baby out and active labor, it was just as painful. So my amazing midwife, Elizabeth Backner from Graceful Birthing, has dubbed this theory the E. Backner theory, which is that she believes that since we all have nerve endings in different places in our vagina, for example, the cervix, the rectum, the vaginal wall, the labia, clitoris, and since we all orgasm differently due to those nerve endings, she thinks that we all feel pain differently when the baby enters the vaginal canal to come out. Interesting theory. So just a concept, but it kind of made sense. And when I interviewed my other two girlfriends, after hearing that, they both only have the one type of orgasm. So I'm like, huh, maybe there's something to that. So yeah, there we go. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And so after, so what, okay. So now looking back at your birth, what would you say going into your birth? I know we kind of just talked about it a little bit, but any other fears, expectations, anything that you were, you were thinking how it was going to go down that was different than how it actually went down or anything that you learned or anything that you want to speak to? I mean, I just walked away, not with the realization, but with the remembering that my body's wisdom is my greatest compass, really. Like my body knows what to do. And if I can get my mind out of the way of my body's wisdom, then things will just flow and go smoother. And that I have to listen to my intuitive hits and I have to trust my body and 
I don't know. Like I, oh, oh my gosh, that's the other thing. So my intuitive hit around not getting that Rogam shot. So oh, yeah, the baby comes out and I instantly say, okay, do I need to take the Rogam shot? I said, can you test the baby's blood type now? Because if she's a positive, I'll get the Rogam shot now. So I can, you know, stop myself from being sensitized if the bloods have mixed and then I can have future pregnancies because if you don't get the Rogam shot, then you can, um, your future, you're kind of, um, putting your future pregnancies at risk. Cause your body could attack yes, those future you pregnancies. You become sensitized. Like an antibody. You have yeah, an antibody exactly. to it. So she did the blood test. So you get the, we had the, the Eldon card, which is the home kit for testing blood type. And she tested the cord, which is the baby's blood type. And it, the baby, can you believe, is A negative, the exact, the exact same blood type as me. And what he's do you know positive. what Carrie is? Do you know which uh, positive? He's, uh, he must be O uh, think, or A. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what positive he is. He may be A positive. But um, so I didn't need to get the Rogam shot. A plus for Carrie, A minus <laughs> for Amber. <laughs> So, right. yeah, that was another little miraculous moment. And that is miraculous. She's your little mini, like her, your little oh mini lion gosh. cub. Yeah. She's got, she's the Leo rising as well. And Carrie's like, God, jeez. When I saw that, I was like, <laughs> so she, she, so she landed on the girl. Virgo, which I wanted a Virgo as well. So, because she came early, so she was born on the 19th of the 9th, 19. Nine one nine yep. one nine, and she was a Leo because she came early. And I really, I'm sorry, a Virgo. I really wanted a Virgo. So yeah, just kind of miracles all over the place with this baby. And so now you're about she's a she's a, she a month, month old today. today. Oh I know. my goodness! So what? Okay, so last month, the last month, how has it been? Oh, I mean, the sleep thing is just no joke. The sleep thing is real. You know, for the first week or two, we were up every two hours for an hour. So it's kind of like torture. Like I know that, you know, they, they used to torture people. They used to wait until they were falling asleep and then they would blast heavy metal on really loud and they would you know, to wake them up every hour. It's, it's really a form of torture. And so it's, it's been intense. And I just got to say for those single mamas, like, wow, I just have so much love and respect for, for women who are doing this solo because I, I don't, I mean, you would have to do it, but I just am thanking my lucky stars. Like I've had help with Carrie and my mother-in-law came in and we've had help in the house. So but it's been really hard, the sleep thing. So I'm onto this book, um, 12 hours sleeps in 12 weeks, 12 hours of sleep by 12 weeks where it teaches nice. you. Yeah. Got eight more weeks. <laughs> exactly. Eight Holding more weeks. on to dear life. But now to month. <laughs> we'll check back in two and eight weeks. How, yeah, how please do. Um, but yeah, it's the sleep thing has been really rough and it's been great doing the 30 um, 30, 40 day postpartum because I've cleared my schedule enough where it's okay to be sleep deprived, where I'm not trying to generate energy to do much more than to just get by during the days. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, I mean, I'm really, really, really grateful that I set myself up this time round where I really researched into systems like, okay, how can I set myself up so Valentine will be looked after and cared for and have attention and meals cooked and being dropped to school on time. And I have meals cooked for me because I am just like dropping the pounds, not in a good way. I mean, of course it's, it's good at first, but I get emaciated with nursing. So for me, it's really important to like keep eating, 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 keeping up the calories. And honestly, like if I didn't have someone here helping me like cooking the meals, I, I don't know what I would do. It wouldn't be good for my health. And I can, Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I have to get Carrie to feed me while I'm like holding the baby, nursing, burping and changing. And she's back on me in a second. So yeah, all, all I can say is like point. for women who are you know anticipating how to make it through with a second baby, just like really set yourself up to win. Ship in your mother, mother-in-law, friends, get a meal train, make sure you're well fed, well nourished, and you just cancel out as much time as possible to just integrate and adapt to the sleeping situation and get to know your baby because every baby is different and have different needs. Yes. Can can we actually talk about that? Because in our last couple of minutes, I would love to know what Winnie is oh, like. Little baby. Like now that you're knowing her and now that you're getting Well, to you know, know what? Her. She's been suffering from colic. So she has really bad gas and I've been researching into what the cause of colic is. And a lot of the time it's dietary for the mothers. So I've cut out all wheat, all dairy all um, vegetables that cause gassiness and it has seemed to help her a little bit, but I've also taken her to a chiropractor and a cranial sacral therapist just to try like straighten her out and align her. So everything's flowing and she's relaxed as possible. Oh, and by the way, she got born with a really, really severe um, tongue tie and lip tie. So she wasn't latching properly, which can cause colic because they take in air every time they nurse. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I waited till she was a week old for her system to integrate, you know, a little bit at least and got it lasered off the the lip tie and tongue tie. And I intuitively, f- they didn't let me go in the room with her. I was bawling. They did what? not let me go in the room with her. I was fighting with the dentist. I'm like, what do you mean I can't go in with her? I hadn't been apart from her. And she's like, we've had parents faint <laughs> when they come in with the operation and freak out and we can't have any distractions when we're doing it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So you're just going to take my baby off me, pin her down, which I know they're pinning her down and then inflict this pain on her. And like, she can't smell me or hear my voice or know that I'm there with her. I was devastated. And I just felt intuitively that that was going to create some type of trauma for her, you know, that she could keep in her cells and her body and emotionally. And so it's really, really important if you do get tongue tie, lip ties sorted out to take them to a chiro and craniosacral therapist because all these little nerve endings are connected. And yeah, also there's like emotional stuff connected to that, that the baby may need to move through. So I'm really glad I had the right people to take her to. And um, yeah, so 
to answer your question, when she's colicky, it's really, it takes over her being, you know, she's just like uncomfortable in pain, squiggling around, trying to find some ease. And so in the moments where she's not possessed with this colicky and this pain, I get glimpses of who she is. And in those moments, Mm -hmm. she's like, Oh my God. She's just, she's perfect. She's just so, she's got this tenderness and this sweetness. Like she runs her delicate little thin, beautiful fingers like across my face and just stares at me with these deep, deep blue ocean eyes. And she's, I mean, she's like a little angel. (laughs) Not that I'm biased or anything. No, she is a little angel. So are you just completely This is the other thing I wanted to mention is that I didn't, the same thing happened to me with Valentine. I was so blasted out of my body after the birth, the physical sensation of birth. I didn't connect immediately to her and I didn't feel that rush of endorphins. And, Mm -hmm. you know, women are waiting for that rush and that high and feeling madly in love. I didn't feel that for, it started to trickle in coincidingly with my physicality starting to, to mend. So Mm -hmm. the more I was closing up and feeling more in my body and being able to move around without just being hijacked by the pain the whole time, the more I was able to feel the emotions that were bubbling up and the connection in my heart that I was feeling with her. So it took me about a week to 10 days to really be like madly in love. But it was slowly Mm. creeping in the more I physically healed up. Oh, and I forgot to say, I tore. (laughs) Even though I was in the water, that, uh, you know, and they, people say the water um, loosens you up and warms you up. So you have less chance of tearing. I think because I pushed on top of my body's contractions, I pushed with all my might. I tore. It was only a one degree. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I didn't tear with Valentine. So it was interesting just having that extra element to just recover from. The recovery was, you know, kind of intense. Lots of sit spas, lots of lying still, lots of people just allowing myself to be looked after and helped and um, forcing myself just to physically surrender into all of the sensations. (laughs) Well, I'm just happy that you gave yourself that space to do that. Yeah, and I'm so, so, so grateful that I have the means to do that at this point in my life and that I have the support with family and friends and Mm -hmm. so, so grateful and really. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be just for our listeners, you know, who might not be in a position where they have the means to have like, you know, chiropractors, craniosacral and all of that. It's it's really the the essence is just secluding yourself with your baby and just allowing your body to heal. And of course, like healers of those nature will, can aid in that, but you just, you just allowing your body to do what it does best, which is heal itself. Just giving it the space to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And most of us have family that we can recruit and count on. And yeah, yeah, you don't need to be saving up funds to be able to have a healthy, happy recovery and baby. You you can really, as you said, like, it's just about asking, asking for help, making a game plan, getting systems in place. And really the greatest medicine is presence 
just allowing the space and time, the recuperation to be present with your baby. I'm learning her language. I'm learning what she's asking for. If she's asking to be changed, if she's asking for food, if she's asking to be burped. And it takes clearing your space and being fully laser focused on her little cues to be able to read a baby like that. And, um, yeah, it's it's all in presence. It's the greatest medicine for your baby and for your your healing. Amazing. I, intuition, presence, listening to your body. These are themes that we always talk about in different contexts. But I think that this story really hits at home where you really can use those things in moments of just the where you're, you know, those moments of life changing and shifting and becoming a transformation, you know. So it's beautiful. Yeah beautiful and we can't i can't wait to see her life unfold you know i know the little mystery continues her little outfits i have an outfit for her that i'm gonna bring down when i visit amazing i hope it's linen and a burnt orange or blush pink it's organic (laughs) it's organic it's 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 a mustard hue Uh oh there's (laughs) enough mustard flying around these days okay (laughs) which is great no 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 no. i'm i was alluding to the poop okay but um oh okay (laughs) Well, good. If she poops on this one, then no, it exactly. will, you know, it'll be it'll yeah, right camouflage. In. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Amber. Is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap it up? No, I just, you know, I'm just so reminded of the miracle of life and that, you know, having a little miracle being in my arms every day just really puts everything into context and you know nothing else matters but being present with the miracle of life and slowing down and simplifying there's there's real golden medicine in that and she's reminding me of all the profound spiritual truths that I so easily forget when I get caught up in the whirlwind of life of doing productive, chasing this, doing that. She's really reminding me of, um, yeah, what's, what's most important. And I'm so blessed and lucky and I just could cry every day. (laughs) Golden sunshine. Yeah. I love her. I love her too. And she did good to, to pick you as her mama. And it's just, it's all going to unfold beautifully. I'm sure. And I can't wait to see it. And I want to just say thank you, Amber, for being so honest and open about sharing your story as you always are. You have radical honesty and authenticity, and I love that about you. It makes it easy to podcast <laughs> with you. Um, so thank you. Oh my gosh, for that. my pleasure. I mean, when people are honest and open with me and their full authentic selves, it's it gives me permission to do that. And I learn so much. And I relate so much to that human. So just trying to put it out there for us all to connect deeper. Do I hear her in the background? <laughs> no, Is it's not. Her? It's actually kids running to a Halloween party okay. down the corner. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> needs to go. Okay. 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 All right. I love you, Jenna. Go to it and love you. Talk right, to you I love soon. everyone else. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>